What's up, everybody? This is Jordan Walton. I made a mistake in the intro of episode 20 of the 1025 podcast. This is not episode 16. This is episode 20 of the 1025 podcast. That's all I have to say, and I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode of the 1025 podcast. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 1025 Podcast. This is episode 16. I'm Jordan along with Kristen and Nayana. And to, before we start, I just want to give my quick condolences to the families of Jovita Moore, the famous uh, Atlanta news anchor, as well as cinematographer Helena Hutchins, who we will uh, talk about later on in this video. But the first thing we're going to be talking about is the school to prison pipeline. Now, this topic was introduced to me by our good friend, Kristen, and this topic I became very fascinated in due to the fact that, you know, the idea of the educational system pushing out these students, not giving them any sort of direction, which will that lack of direction will land them in the federal system. I just think it's very heartbreaking of that idea because I'm sure we all went to school with very disenfranchised youth who every day they showed up to school, they just caused trouble, you know, and they didn't really want to learn and they didn't want to do, you know, anything to get their education. So Kristen and Ayanna, I want to ask you guys, what are y'all's thoughts on the school to prison pipeline? And how do you guys think moving forward, you know, should our school system try to fix that? <clears throat> Since this is your topic of choice, Kristen, you want to go first? Uh, sure. All right. So I think going forward, I would like to see a change, but it is very deeply ingrained in the school system. Like, I think you have to understand, like, the nature of the prison system is a for-profit system at this point. Because people like, uh, what was it, Michael Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, he owns prisons because it's a for-profit system. You get money the more prisoners you send in. So they started this thing in the 90s, basically. It was like zero tolerance policies. Yeah. And that's where you suspend the students. And it's an easier way to kind of set them up for prison. And it's because they make it this way. They literally mark students who are under a, above average, who are under average reading levels for prison. They mark students who constantly get detention, suspension, et cetera, for prison. And they make it that way because they make more money the more people go to prison. Yeah. I think that, um... The school to prison pipeline is such a harsh reality for the young people of color growing up in the school system. It's already bad enough that, um, and most of, if not all states in America, um, at a certain age, you're required to be enrolled in school. And in some places, the environment is not set up so that, you know, your school environment is the safest or you're not learning anything, you know, proper, you're not really getting the right education in the right circumstances. And 
on top of the fact that a lot of the school systems in America don't take into account that a lot of people learn differently. So when you're sitting in a classroom and the teacher is teaching you something that you just don't understand, of course, you're not going to pay attention and you're going to start doing your own things. You might even start skipping class. You might, you know, and it, it turns into this, this snowball effect of people not caring about school and then dropping out and then getting into all kinds of illegal activity or even just immoral activity that could eventually potentially wind them up in somebody's jail system or somebody's prison system. And I've seen firsthand what that looks like to, you know, not have the best environment around you. And then on top of that, not understanding the, you know, assignments and things that are given to you because they're not explained to you in a way that you can understand them. And so you fall into the wrong crowd and you guys are doing the wrong things. And I don't think by any means that this is on accident. I don't think that the school system in America was properly designed so that everyone could succeed in it. I don't think that for a second, I don't think that's true for elementary, middle or high school or even post-secondary schools like colleges and universities and stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's not, it's too apparent how quickly these young black people, not even just boys, these young black people are winding up in the prison system because they were so heavily neglected in the school system. And yeah. they care so little about it. It's like they prepare us to be in somebody's system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I remember, and piggybacking off of what you guys are saying, like I remember firsthand back when I was in middle school, stuff like that happening, you know, zero tolerance and all that. Even when I was in high school, like, for example, I went to Stevenson High School, right? This was in DeKalb County. You could look up this all over the news, right? I went to a school where people literally got jumped for their phones. People literally were bullied, fights on a day-to-day basis. And I think I told you guys this, even when I was in senior year, a freshman actually killed a senior there. And, you know, I, I joke about like, man, I'm surprised I even survived that environment, but that's a harsh reality that many people who look like us and even in a school system in an urban setting have to go through, you know, a lot of people aren't, you know, privileged enough to be going to the nice private school with the, you know, nice uniforms and the curriculum that will help them, you know, progress in their life. They, some kids nowadays, they don't even care about that stuff. People literally skip school the whole day and they don't even learn anything, you know, and that's, that's a harsh reality. And I remember when I was in sixth grade, on the first day of school, that I think my teacher gave every kid in class the sheet of paper, right? And the sheet of paper had like the statistics, I'm sorry, the statistics to the amount of people who were incarcerated of, you know, African American descent and all that type of stuff. And at that moment, I realized, well, damn, I need to, you know, do my best so that I can't end up like these other people. Like, I can't be a statistic, especially in the climate that we're living in right now. And it's so sad to see the lack of encouragement in our community to get proper educations. And I can see that changing, like, a lot 
in our generation with people, you know, encouraging the people around them to really, you know, branch out and learn about new things and get into stuff that they're really interested in. Not necessarily, like even, even a conventional university isn't needed to be intelligent. Right. And it's, it's baffling to me that the school system, mostly for grade school, like high school and middle school, they encourage you to go into practical, you know, practical careers like doctors and lawyers and things that really only encourage you to make money. Absolutely. And it's, it's apparent that that's all that they care about because when it comes to things that people are actually good at, whether it'll make them money or not, they don't care about that kind of stuff. I'm not one to condone illegal activity at all in most cases. But if somebody is good at marketing and they live in an environment where economics isn't something talked about, the next best thing is selling dope. I hear about it all the time, how people are good at advertising their their stuff and they branch out and they're networking, even even in something like illegally selling drugs, there is economics and there's marketing and there's networking in that area. But because black people as a whole are so criminalized with everything that we do and everything we're a part of, it falls into that. And I, I truly do believe that there's an art to everything that anybody can be good at. And so many kids nowadays are being encouraged to get practical careers that'll make them money instead of doing what really makes them happy and so they can enjoy it for the rest of their lives. That's That sounds miserable to be forced to be a doctor just because you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you're not happy. Exactly. Uh, speaking on that, like I remember, and I always tell everybody this, you know, on the podcast, even on 1025 in conversation, when I was in ninth grade, I wanted to be a filmmaker. You know what I mean? That was my main passion. I want to be, and you know, that's something that I still want to do even through this podcast. Right. When I told my family that a lot of them were very skeptical, they were like, is this, re- you want to be what? because they were cut from that cloth that you need to have a stable income in order to actually make a living but because even a lot of kids who I went to school with they said oh I want to be a uh an engineer because I can make hundreds of thousands of dollars but it's like okay because my mom always says money can't buy you happiness so it's like what else do you want to do is that something that you're really passionate about or are you just doing that just for a quick buck you know that's something that a lot of people, a lot of kids, especially growing up now, they they don't know the difference between making a lot of money and then doing something that they enjoy. Because I'm going to just say this from personal experience. I love doing this podcast with you guys. You know what I mean? Like, for real. But yeah. And it's such a catch-22 with the school system really trying to, quote-unquote, encourage their students to go into post-secondary education because when you don't live in an environment where even that's encouraged, you start falling into other things. The biggest thing that I hear about college is that in order to make a true living, 
and be able to live comfortably in your life, you have to go to college. That's something that isn't necessarily required, but it's it's heavily frowned upon if you don't have a degree or two. Right. And a lot of Black people in certain environments aren't necessarily encouraged to do that for financial reasons or personal reasons or whatever the case may be. And so they're saying, well, you need to go to college, but they don't give them the resources to get there. They don't help them get their scholarships. They don't, you know, walk them through FAFSA. They don't have a real conversation about how to navigate through college in order to get to where you're trying to go. And so a lot of people just give up. They give up and they do what they can do to make the money that they can make. And even if it's living paycheck to paycheck with a little fast food job or something like that, it feels, it sounds a lot better to them than doing all this hard work just to hope that you get a decent job so that you can maybe live comfortably. Yeah. And considering all the things that Black people have already gone through in this country, that's that's already too much. All this talk about getting a second education after you just spent the, the last 12 years of your life in school. Right off, the, right off the bat, as soon as you graduate high school, you get right back into another one. That kind of stuff just doesn't sound very appealing to a lot of Black people. Exactly. And so instead of this country setting them up for greatness and allowing them to do things for themselves, whether it makes money in large amounts or not, they it's like they literally prep them to work their way into the system for even petty stuff like 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 a like a traffic ticket a traffic ticket can turn into hundreds hundreds of dollars owed or being- and then eventually turn into a warrant for your arrest and then turn into you spending five to ten years in somebody's prison because because of a toll that you didn't pay exactly and all of that I truly do believe is accredited to the lack of awareness in the school system as it pertains to just how differently students learn from each other. Yeah. That's now I'm going to, I'm going to say this one thing. And then if any of y'all got y'all's final thoughts, we can go on to the next topic. But even when I was in a high school and I told y'all about this all the time. There was a program that I went to called Upward Bound. And that was something that a lot of disenfranchised youth from these urban communities, they went to and they actually experienced like a new outlook on life. You know what I mean? The college experience, even though I low-key think that that's overrated, the college experience. But, you know, it, it was it was a great way for them to kind of get out their community and then you know, open their eyes to like, wow, my life can be more than just, you know, go to high, go to school, come home, go to sleep, and that's it, you know, and I met some of my best friends from there, but yeah. And And just real quick, I was actually watching an interview um, with T.I. and 21 Savage, one of the oldest Atlanta rappers in the game, and one of the newest Atlanta rappers in the game. And I had learned a lot of stuff 
about what 21 Savage has really done for his community in terms of education. And it's stuff like it's stuff like that that really proved to me just how much our generation is starting to, you know, quickly realize how deep of a hole we've been shoved into right. and trying our hardest to, you know, get ourselves out of that, even if it's just starting with our small communities, because I didn't even know this. I, well, I did know it, but 21 Savage um, dropped out of high school yep. and he, he never graduated. He never even thought about college at that point. And when, you know, he was affiliated with his gang and he got shot and he lost his brother. He lost a lot of his friends. He really started to realize just how deep he was in this lifestyle that he, it didn't even seem like he got himself into. It just, it's just something that he fell into. And so as he progressed in his career and he started realizing just how troubled the youth is, especially in the Atlanta community, yeah. he he poured a lot of his um, resources into schools, to getting supplies for them. He held a, a back to school drive where he gave out textbooks. He bought textbooks, he bought supplies and stuff, and he donated them to all these um, different schools in, I want to say DeKalb County, because I think that's where he's from. Yeah. And on top of that, he implemented a program to teach young black people how to save their money, how to yeah. really be smart about their finances. And when I was, I was reading about all of this, I was like, it's, it's wild to me that this one guy who everyone thinks is so, you know, gangster and crazy. Yeah. Like he's, he's just this really scary guy who, who will hurt anybody who looks at him. And that's really how I feel like a lot of, you know, the programs and stuff in this country, including the school system, look at us. They do. And it's crazy how like, this is the first time that I'm even learning about all these things that he did. And I'm, I'm not even sure if a lot of people even know because they see him as this rough guy who never graduated high school. So all he can do is rap. Yeah. I mean and it just made me, it, it made me have a lot more hope for the black people, especially in my community, to uplift ourselves, despite all the challenges that the school system in this country have tried to throw at us. And it's, it's really amazing to me. And I hope that that kind of stuff can continue on as our generations get older and older and older. All yeah. Right. Any final thoughts on uh, school to prison pipeline on y'all's end? Um, I think, you know, the video that I watched kind of said what I already knew about the prison to pipeline system. It's racially biased against yeah. us. But it's literally just terrible. Like, they label certain kids based on their grades, how many detentions they got, et cetera, and basically label them as going to prison. Like they're more likely to because of these statistics. Yeah. And I find it pretty disheartening because you could at least try and help them, but instead they just label them 
as bad students. That's the sad reality. But yeah. uh, now moving on to our next topic. This is, of course, about the tragic death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins, which for anyone who doesn't know, there is an indie film called Rust, which is starring, I believe, Alec Baldwin, and Helena Hutchins was the cinematographer in this film. And while rehearsing, Alec Baldwin had was given what many people thought was a cold gun, which that means this gun is useless. This doesn't have any bullets, no ammunition, all that. He was rehearsing for this scene, and he accidentally, I don't know what happened, the, uh, he accidentally shot Miss um, Hush Hutchins and she died. And then I think the bullet went through her and then injured the director, which the director is fine, is doing okay, right? This is not the first time that this has happened on a movie set. I'm sure you guys have probably heard about the uh, tragic death of Brandon Lee, who is Bruce Lee's uh, son. He was in this film called The Crow, which if you guys haven't seen, highly recommend it. It's based off of one of my personal favorite comic books, The Crow by James O'Barr. So if y'all want some good reading recommendation, I recommend that book. And when I was reading the story, it, it just made me think that Hollywood doesn't need loaded guns on set. You guys can literally use airsoft guns and then you guys can go into after effects and then put in like, the gun flash, and then the, the noise. So, Chris and Ayana, I want to ask you guys, what are y'all's thoughts on this tragic situation? And how do you guys think that Hollywood can improve its safety when it comes to the production of their films? Because working on a Hollywood set is extremely dangerous. There's high-voltage electricity, weapons. There's all this type of stuff. What are y'all's thoughts? Um. Obviously, this was a very tragic incident and my thoughts and prayers go out to the family of the victim and everyone else involved, including Alec Baldwin, because I, I can't imagine just how distraught he was after the entire situation. Um, but I completely agree with you about how they could, Hollywood doesn't need to have loaded guns on their sets. They don't need to have real, they don't need to have real weapons that could actually injure someone because movie effects and CGI and all of these things that you can do in editing after everything has been shot is way easier and way safer than potentially putting people, everyone on set in danger just for, I don't know, realness whatever the case may be, it's it's never worth it because things like this happen where people lose their lives. And I actually read somewhere that the person who had handed the gun off to Alec Baldwin had, this has happened before. They have yeah. loaded, they had given off a faulty weapon and something happened on a different set that they were on where someone ended up getting injured. The person yeah. didn't um, die fortunately, but these two things happening on two different sets that is coming back to this one person, I don't think that they should have that job. Right. Yeah. I think they, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say that they should be removed from the film industry altogether, but handling prop weapons just does not seem very 
practical for this person. Right. And it was really frustrating to see a lot of people, especially on Twitter, blaming Alec Baldwin for the entire situation. That was what really made me upset about it because even at the time when we didn't know that much about what had happened, there's no way that this man would have got on set and just decided that he was going to shoot somebody and kill them. That, That doesn't even begin to make any sense, especially for the type of person that Alec Baldwin is. And there were photos that came out of him right after the situation of him on the phone clearly distraught about what had happened yeah and people were still saying that he meant to do it it wasn't an accident what whatever whatever and so many times when things like this happen on sets where somebody gets injured or they get killed it's always the actor's fault yeah one of the things that job is to play the role right one of the things that a lot of people do and I hate when we do this and I hate when I do this as well, is that when anything bad happens, we're quick to jump on someone else's uh, back for it. I remember I was in a, a few weeks ago, I was in a clubhouse a chat room and we were talking about the situation. And there was this one lady who literally just flat out said that Alec Baldwin meant to do it. He meant to kill that woman. Now, granted, she sounded like she was the embodiment of the men are trash movement that's on Twitter and all that type of stuff. So I automatically couldn't even hear that, what she was talking about. But he's like, I personally, I, I have zero clue how to even unload and clear a gun. So I wouldn't even know how that would work. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, we are quick to just jump on someone else's back and blame them. Uh, And here's a quick example of when I did it. Chris, I'm sure you remember on episode, I believe, six of the 1025 podcast, me, you and Ashanti, we talked about the Tory Lane situation. Now, granted, y'all could probably say, yeah, this nigga did it. But me personally, I felt like Watching that again, I felt like I just jumped on his back just because oh, that was the, the trendy thing to do and all that type of stuff. But Kristen, what's your thoughts on it, on this situation? So my whole thought is, um, I mean, I also heard about the Brandon Lee thing and I'm sorry for, um, now I'm sorry, but okay, I'm sorry. Now I actually am sorry, because why do I keep saying that? I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry for lots that happened. But what I was meaning to say was that I don't believe they should have actual guns on set considering I don't really know like the weight difference between like an actual gun and a prop gun on set. But I imagine if he made this same mistake twice, it's probably very similar. But I actually don't think they need Real guns, because they can make the effects and after effects of the sound and the effects of the gun ricocheting. Exactly. Like, I'm 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 serious. Y'all could use y'all could use BB guns. Granted, I don't know if BB guns are like that fatal. Yeah, like you use BB guns, you can use airsoft guns, you can use all that. And 
piggybacking off of what Ayana was saying about the picture that came out, because he did look absolutely distraught. I was talking to another friend of mine and she asked me, you know, imagine if that was you, if you were handed something that was essentially a toy, like something that's useless, basically, and you end up and that same item ends up murdering somebody like I don't know about you guys, but for me, that would haunt me for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the actor had no choice but to dress who handed it to him. Right, right, right. He had no idea that this was even a cold gun. You know what I mean? And a lot of people were like, oh, well, Alec Baldwin should have checked it. He's not a weapons expert. He doesn't, right. like, I don't know. Expert. Like, I'm sure all of us, well, all of us, we don't know how to, you know, dismantle a gun to see if what ammunition, even if my life depended on it. My dad once. Well, you say your dad knows how to do that? Yeah, he showed me. Well, mate, with the exception <laughs> of Kristen, with the exception of Kristen, I'm sure both of us, we don't even know how to. No. No. Like, even <laughs> if I tried to shoot one, my it would probably fly out of my hand, but no. Nah. But yeah. It's just so, it was, it was just so frustrating watching this entire thing unfold in front of my eyes and when I first saw that he was trending on Twitter I would have never imagined that it was for people blaming him for the accidental death of someone else that was I was completely shocked when I read that headline yeah. and after hearing all of the some of the minute details of the situation I was still surprised to see that people were still blaming him saying that he should have known oh he should have checked like you said but his only job is to go on set and play a role. Exactly. And then go home. They exactly. didn't ask him to dismantle the gun. They didn't ask him to load it. They didn't say, check to see if the magazine is full. Then they, they handed him the gun and said, we're going to shoot this next scene in a couple of minutes. Be ready. That's yeah. it. And it, that's what he planned to do. But because of the unforeseen circumstances and these kinds of things happen all the time. Guns are faulty. Yeah. Even real life guns that people mean to shoot on purpose, they jam. Sometimes the the um, the the system on the inside faulties. All kinds of things just happen just by chance, and yeah. no one could have known that that was going to happen. And I don't want to necessarily blame the person who handed off the weapon to him because even they couldn't have figured that that was going to happen. Right. So right. it was just really. I wouldn't even say heartbreaking, but it was just, it was very eye-opening to see that people were so quick to place blame on somebody without even realizing that somebody lost their life. Exactly. Somebody that day went to work expecting to go home and didn't. Right. And instead of focusing on that very important aspect, they wanted so badly to blame somebody for their death. And that was, that was very it rubbed me the absolute wrong way with how people handle those kinds of situations. It's, it's very tragic because this is a this is a woman who literally like was pursuing her passion as a filmmaker and as someone who actually wants to work in the film industry. I just find this whole you know uh, story disheartening. Now we have seven minutes left, right? I'm gonna wrap up just wrap up my final thoughts. Um, 
even though I've never seen any of this woman's work, I will, I do want to actually support her work. And that's, that's a sad reality that a lot of artists, they, nobody really cares until they're gone, you know, Mm -hmm. but I do want to support her work. I'm going to leave a link in the description of this video to her IMDB page. So you guys can actually look at some of her work. And I mean, this, this woman had a husband and had, I believe, two kids. So now their children can't grow up without a mom anymore. And that's always tragic. The fact that, you know, you are alone in the world and you can't look at your parents for guidance. And those are my thoughts. But any final thoughts on this story? Um, like I said before, my condolences, my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone involved, anyone who were, was affected by the tragic death of this woman. And I just want people to just stop, just stop and take a moment to really analyze the situation before jumping so quick to blame somebody for something that may have happened because no one could have guessed that what had occurred that day was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's a tragedy and it was easily avoidable. Had the, if the film industry just gets away from this unsafely realistic way of filming so many people could be saved from that so many less people would be in danger if they just they just put the safety of everyone on set before the realism of their project absolutely Kristen I have nothing more to say, actually. All righty. Thank you guys for watching the 10215 podcast. I'm Jordan along with Kristen and Ayana. And I'll see you. We'll see y'all next time. Peace. Yeah.